Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. So this morning, I'm so excited to be here and to preach. Um, uh, you might have thought, I've preached a couple of times this year and you thought as one, as one of my jobs is the youth pastor, but I'm also the creative pastor. You might be thinking, how come we haven't heard her speak about worship yet? Well, don't worry, church. This morning, I want to speak about worship and um, I've got some slides for you this morning too. And we're going to be speaking on created for worship. So um, I'll just take a quick sip. Are you guys ready? You excited? The Word of God is going to be preached this morning. I'm so excited. I love Jesus. I'm going to take a quick sip. Thanks, church. So, you might be surprised, but I love to worship. You know why? Because I love God. I love what He's done in my life. I can look through the last 33 years and just be so overwhelmed by God's goodness. You know, I stand in worship and I just love to sing. You know, I don't really care who's around me. I don't really care what I sound like. (laughs) I'm so unapologetic for my worship because God is so good. I read the Bible and it's like a love letter to me. And I've had many trials. I'm sure you guys can relate. Battles, you know, I've had questions at times. But there's one thing I know for certain is that Jesus is real. That Jesus is alive. That He is good. That He loves me. That He's never left me and He is always faithful. And that is why I've dedicated my life as an act of worship to God. Whatever He wants to do, I'm in. I love when I worship Him and I make it all about Him. He can't help But Jesus just wants to love me back in that moment. I have this picture. It's like I've got this gift. I don't know about you guys, but I love giving gifts. And I get so excited when I've got a good gift. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited for next week's graduation for the year 12s in youth. So we got good gifts. Anyway, it's like I've got a gift. I'm trying to give it to God to tell Him how much I love Him. But He's like, no, 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 no. I've got a gift for you. I want to love back on you. And it's like this exchange of gifts of just love. And there's so much love in that moment. That's what worship is. And that's why I love to worship. You know, we were created for worship. Worship does so much for our hearts, for our souls and our bodies. And it's just not talking about songs that we sing on Sunday. Only in a modern church culture have we taken the word worship and used it to describe a genre of music. Worship isn't just music. It doesn't start when Igor starts to sing like an angel. Worship is not limited by a section of time within a service. It's not the three or four songs we sing on a Sunday or a playlist that we have on our phones. Worship is a lifestyle. On Sundays, yes, it may look like songs. It may, be, it may look like greeting and loving one another. It may look like our giving to God, paying attention during the Word and taking notes, this little plug there. <laughs> but it's also how we honour God in every area of our lives and putting Him first. Worship is something we put worth to. How much is God worth to us? How much do we value And how much do we give Him worth every day of our lives? Worship comes from the old English word that means worth-ship. Let me say that again, worth-ship. We worship God because He is so worthy and we give Him all due, all honour, worthy belongs to Him. Amen, church? 
So why do we worship? Point number one, if you're taking notes, it's a response to His greatness and He is worthy. We can ask ourselves the question, what do we get out of it? What do we get in return? We can ask those questions, but that's really not the reason why we worship, to get something because we're giving worth back to God. But you know what? God, He's just so good. And in return, we get to experience why we were created and we get to experience Him. And experiencing God is why we were created. It's the only path to true peace, purpose and fulfilment. Worship enables us to see things from God's perspective and not just our own. It reminds us of His goodness, His greatness, and that He's won every battle already on our behalf. We are reminded of His greatness and who is seated on the throne. Amen, church. Worship can also reveal if there's anything else sitting in his seat. You know what? David in the Bible was a man who inspires us to worship. We see that through the Scriptures. We see that through Psalms. You know, David wasn't perfect, which I love because I can relate. Um, But he was known as a man after God's own heart. You know, David faced giants, literally. (laughs) Um, He he, um, faced many battles as a soldier and as a king. But when he won, he knew who really saved him and gave him the victory every time. He also experienced the grace of God when he stuffed up, when he sinned. But regardless of the good and the bad, David knew how to worship and who deserved his praise. It says in 2 Samuel 22, 1-7, as it comes up on the screen, It says, uh, 22, David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul he sang. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my saviour. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield. Come on, church. The power that saves me and place place of safety. He is my refuge, my saviour and the one who saves me from violence. I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise and save me from my enemies. Amen. And it says in Psalm 96, come on church, this is the Word of God. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, God is great. He is the most worthy of praise. No one can measure to His greatness. That is the God that we serve. We worship God because He is worthy of our praise but also because we are grateful for Jesus' sacrifice. I'm so grateful for that, for dying for us, paying for that penalty, our penalty of sin, His loving grace and forgiveness of sin and accepting us into His family. So nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from the love of God ever, ever again. Amen. Hebrews 12, 20, 28 says, Since we have received a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and praise God by worshipping Him with fear and awe. Wow, I love the Word of God. So, <laughs> you're getting all that, church. Let's take a breather. I feel like I'm talking too fast. <laughs> I do that when I get passionate because I love Jesus. My point number two is true worship is an offering that cost us something. You know what? We will never get this opportunity again to worship Jesus this side of heaven 
because in heaven there is no pain. As there's no sin in heaven, as we heard earlier. We won't be competing with our flesh. We won't get tired. Wow, that sounds nice. We will never get tired. But we'll also never get tired of worshipping Jesus. Um, we won't be exhausted from our day. We won't have a thousand concerns and worries. Um, you know, we'll be in the presence of God. We'll be face to face with Jesus. We'll be able to see Him. But worship this side of heaven is a choice. It's a choice we get to make. It's a decision we make every day to worship and honour God by putting Him first in our lives. And that is such a beautiful offering to God. Some of our most pleasing worship to God can be when we worship Him when we don't feel like it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like it. I don't feel like worshipping, but I choose to do it because God is so worthy. You know, when we do it and we don't feel like it, it costs us something. It shows how much we value Him by putting Him first, even when we don't feel like it. Parents and spouses, let me ask you a question. How much does it mean to you when your loved one does something for you even, even though they're tired? When they do something out of love, even when it's, it may be inconvenient, that's the same with God. He loves it when we worship in the good, but He also, He sees our heart when we worship Him when it's hard. Some offerings of worship can be easier than others. You know, when a miracle happens, it's easier to praise and thank Him. But when things don't work out the way we are planned and, and we have tough situations and we experience pain and loss, that moment gives God such a beautiful sacrifice of worship, this side of heaven that we could never give any other time. For me personally, like years ago um, when my dad was unwell, when he was on life support fighting for his life, that time of worship in my pain is probably one of the most memorable, intimate moments with Jesus, singing, spending time with him and and him comforting me as I worshipped him. Those moments can be moments that can just show you more of who God is and who you are in him and bring you so much comfort. Even when things are tough, let me encourage you to worship. You know Elijah? Who knows Elijah in the Bible? Put your hand up. He's pretty amazing. Elijah's one of my favourite heroes. I love reading and researching about him. I just, in the last two years, I just can't seem to get past Elijah. And, just, and he's just so inspiring to see what God does through him. But also, I feel like I can relate as a person because I love that God doesn't just show the highlight reels of someone's life. It's not like the Instagram reels where you just see the best things of people, but he also shows people in their humanity. And I think that's so encouraging because we can relate. You know, God has been showing me some things about worship through Elijah that I want to share with you. And we can see that through the story um, of the prophets of Baal and a beautiful sacrifice of worship. So um, some of us know the story about um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, but just in case you, you don't, I'm just going to catch you up. So what has happened is that we've got this king, Ahab, and he's decided that uh, the, the God of Israel is now going to be Baal, and he's not going to follow our God, Yahweh. And so he's decided that he's just going to find and kill all the prophets that follow our God, and... Uh, and uh, 
And then so Elijah goes into hiding because he doesn't want to be killed, which makes sense, right? And so um, Elijah goes into hiding, but God then asks him to risk his life to go to, to, go to um, Ahab and tell him, let's have a challenge off. Let's, uh, let's go face to face. Let's do a face off between Baal and, and my God. And so he makes, two, they get, um, they set up two separate offerings um, of like wood and fire and like a, a fresh bull. And then what they're going to do is they're like, whoever is the one true God will bring fire to this offering and will prove that that's, that's the God that we should follow. So uh, they do that. Elijah sets that up. And uh, Elijah's like, you know what? You guys go first. He knows it's not good. He's like, you guys go first. And so they spend basically most of the day like making complete gooses of themselves, like screaming out and they make a mess and like it's just, it's just pretty chaotic. And so after that, that's where we pick up here. Um, where uh, the end of that story, that, that part, and where Elijah takes over. So it says, in 1 Kings 18, 20, 29 to 40, they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. That was for Baal. So then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. Then he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. He then dug a trench around the large, around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. 33, he piled wood on the altar, cut the bulls into pieces and laid the pieces, uh, pieces on the wood. He then said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. Verse 34 says, after they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran, ran uh, around the altar and even filled the trenches. Let's just pause right there. So did you notice what Elijah did um, as he prepared the offering? He didn't just give the leftover offering of Baal. He, he uh after the prophets of Baal went first, it said they made a mess. They even knocked down his offering. Like they were pretty desperate for their God to do something, but obviously he's not, he wasn't uh, listening, so nothing happened. So um, he then had to fix the mess that they made. So Elijah fixed it, put fresh wood. He put the stones, he dug trenches. He even went a step further than what they did and he brought a fresh ox. How amazing. He brought God his best. And what an incredible thing that we can reflect on is that when we worship, do we offer God something fresh? Do we just regurgitate the same offering that we do each week, each month? Or is it, is it the same thing that we just always bring? Uh, this, is the re- this is another reason why as a, as a singer, as one part of an offering, as one part of worship, I love to sing new songs. I just love that people are writing new songs that bring expression of my heart to God. And, um, and that I find that, that in doing that, yes, it sometimes requires effort to learn new songs, but um, it shows me a whole new side of who God is. And I can connect to God in a new way. And I see more of myself in Him and I get closer to Him when I do that. You know, it sounded like Elijah had to, had to do a fair bit of work which, you know, is inconvenient, but he did it. He rebuilt the offering, um, even when it wasn't his mess, but he wanted to bring an offering that honoured God. He then poured water. 
you know, during that time, there was a drought. There was a great drought. They had not seen rain for so long. So water was so, um, so valuable. And this was such a great sacrifice. You still with me, church? Awesome. So um, we continue with verse 36 and it says, As the usual time of offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet uh, walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, prove today that you are the God in Israel and I that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this as you commanded. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burnt up the young bull, the wood, the stones and the dust and even licked up all the water in the trenches. Has anyone ever tried to light a fire when the wood is wet? It does not work. You can put whatever you want on that, but that thing ain't going to burn. So how amazing is God? So my third point this morning is worship can give us access to the power of God. Amen. I love that this story shows the power of God through an offering of worship. What uh, would, would God have come if Elijah didn't make the effort? I honestly don't know. You know, I believe that from my experience, God is so good that even when we don't give God our best, He still shows up. But maybe, just maybe, it was the sacrifice that gave fuel to the effect the fire had. After Elijah prayed a short prayer, by the way, which was pretty powerful, but it was short, the fire of God came immediately and everything burnt up, everything. It says, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burnt up the young bull and the wood, the stones and the dust, even, um, even licked up all the water in the trenches. From that part, it says the, the dirt. So the ground, the dirt, it was even consumed by the fire of God. That wasn't even part of the offering. God didn't just bring a bonfire. I'm sure that still would have been impressive. People still would have been like, he is the one true God because Baal didn't do anything. But he burnt everything up, absolutely everything up immediately. And he even like burnt up the dirt. How great is that? Come on, give him praise. You know, when we worship God extravagantly, when we don't hold back, you know, we can see the consuming fire burn up even the dirt in our lives. I'm talking about the struggles, you know, the muck, the stubbornness, the arrogance, you know, the stuff that sometimes we carry, the lies that we hold on to, burdens, addictions. You know, we can, be, can all be consumed by the fire of God when we're in His presence. How many less arguments and mistakes could we avoid if we stopped and worshipped? connected with God before we even acted on anything? How would our hearts be and our minds be if after we'd been in heavy situations and we come against stuff that we refuse to let that live in us and we decided to worship God and connect with our Creator? Let the fire of God consume the dirt in our lives as we offer a valuable gift of worship. It also says in verse 39, that when all the people saw it, they fell down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord, He is God. Another thing about the power of God is 
we also saw that when the fire of God came, a whole nation turned back to God. A whole nation that was following one God now was following the one true God. Israel had strayed from God. They were known as a nation who saw victories, took territories, nations. They were, they were a nation that had a reputation. You do not mess with them. Their, their God was powerful regardless of the odds they won. And they won in really, really weird ways. Sometimes they go in a battle and their enemies would get confused and start fighting against themselves. You know, they took down a massive fortress by shouting at a wall. Have you tried that? <laughs> like a massive fortress that was, um, you know, un unbeatable. You know, uh, God even made the sun stand still and not set so that Israelites, um, Israel's enemies couldn't flee in nightfall so that Israel could win. That's, that's amazing. But Ahab, the current king, did evil and he worshipped other gods and the reputation of Israel wasn't the same. But, but with one man's obedience, when he could have been put to death, he worshipped God with an offering. And the fire of God came and restored a whole nation back to Jesus. You know, what could God do with our lives? What could God do with our lives if we lived in worship every day? You know, people are watching us. There's people all around us that we could influence for God. Who could come to know Jesus because of your worship? Who from your family could know Him because of your worship? Living in worship, living, being in worship, being a part of our lives. And you know, what could God do even as we gather here at Shiloh on a Sunday as we offer up our worship to God? Let's never forsake the gathering of the believers. This moment is so important. You know, this is where we get to meet together as a family. But also we get to worship together as a family. We get to encourage one another, walk with each other, stand by one another, When you're down, we're there with you because we're family. And you know what? When I'm worshiping, I don't just worship for me. I worship for you. And your worship can bless and bring the power of God for the person next to you. I am Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.